Welcome to Film Buddies with Tuesday, and this episode's co-host is Mathilde. If you want to introduce yourself, give us a little background before we talk about the episode. Sure. Um, my name is Mathilde Suisa. Um, I am a New York-based production designer and art director, uh, primarily in film and TV, but also editorial stuff. Um, and I also direct... Um, I'm in a director DP duo with my friend Jennifer Liu, a DP. Um, it's called Take Two XX, and we... I, I direct there. We do, you know, different projects and stuff. But basically, that's that's me. Cool. Nice <laughs> and short and sweet. Short and sweet. <laughs> um, but with your art background and production designing background, this episode, we're focusing on the art department. Yeah. And that means we will also give a little bit of a breakdown on the hierarchy of the art department since pre-recording, we did talk about how it's kind of overlooked yeah, it's a little bit more obscure. Um, there's a little bit less of a spotlight on it. I mean, obviously cinematography is extremely important to a film, but production design kind of falls behind that in, you know, spotlight. So this is, thank you for choosing production design for this one. I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah I did an episode where we talked a little bit about like sound and editing, mm-hmm. which I think some people are more familiar with editing than sound but it's still you know it's nice to touch on these yeah less popular less favorite departments right yeah and then after we talk about the overview of the art department and production design we'll talk about hannah beachler who is a production designer for black panther and a few other films and then polly platt who seems like she was really a game changer for the department yeah definitely. and was also just a boss mm-hmm. <laughs> so. oh yeah she she like dominated and so did hannah's a beast too um these are really two women who like are bosses at what they do so yeah talk about them it's cool it's really fun to read about and just go oh wow like Mm -hmm. a lot goes into this and just like analyzing the psychology of characters to put them in scenes that Mm -hmm. make sense like that's super cool yeah yeah definitely that's a big aspect that's something i love the most is that like It's not just about, you know, anybody can just show up and kind of be an interior designer, I guess, and make things look pretty. But it's really about, like, getting into the headspace of the characters. Who are these people? What would their rooms look like? What would they have? Like, you have to do a lot of research and collaboration with your director and your actors to be like, you know, who is this person? Why do you think that? And how should this person live? Or, you know, what kind of items should this person have in their house and stuff? So... Yeah. This is on topic, but maybe not entirely relevant. But I'm curious if you have worked with someone and realized that they don't actually have a great understanding of the character. (laughs) Because I do feel a lot of the scripts I read are very surface level and there's not a lot of depth to them. So I feel like that would be a challenge that you would come across trying to build a world that the, that makes yeah. sense for the character. Definitely. You'll, if anybody is listening who wants to be one or is <laughs> one, you'll definitely come across people, you know, whether it's your director or your writer or your actor. Actors, usually not so much because, you know, for the most part, they're really dedicated. And I mean, so is everybody else, but particularly actors have to be that person. So, you know, if there's ever a question that somebody can't answer for me, then I'll kind of just go to the actor and be like, what would you have here and usually they'll have an answer um but yeah there have been some people who um really did not really know 
like either did not know what my role was or like you know what the duties entail of a production designer and what i'm bringing for you as a director i'm bringing things for you to make your film look beautiful but you know they they don't really know what i'm supposed to do so i kind of will come at them with all these questions and they'll be like uh, uh, uh I, I don't really know i have to think about it um and you kind of just have to roll i mean it's like every job like there's going to be somebody who might annoy you or <laughs> who you just, you know, have to kind of guide them in a way. Um, but you just have to get the job done. And sometimes, honestly, if that person is really not like willing, not necessarily willing to collaborate, although there, we both know there are people like that, but mm-hmm. um, somebody who just doesn't really know or isn't there yet really in their career to know like, how to create that world um i kind of just do it myself and you you know as a like creative person you kind of just have to think about it and like okay well i have read the script and i kind of understand who this person is i'm just gonna pick out what i think this person would like um and that's part of the fun of it too is like i get my own way to have some power and be creative too power (laughs) Power. but i mean that is nice that you were okay well i'll figure it out i read the same script you read so cool yeah yeah definitely um yeah you kind of just have to figure it out you know <laughs> like if you if you don't have that person to give you the an- the specific answer then you kind of just have to do it mm-hmm. yourself that makes sense. I feel like that's a lot of departments. I'm sure even DPs working with directors sometime are like, yeah. all right, this is how yeah. we're going to light it because I don't know exactly like, what they want. <laughs> exactly. If you have an inexperienced director or somebody who is all over the place or doesn't know what they want, you kind of just like, all right, well, this makes sense. So let's do this and see if you like it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So since we're talking about art, it makes sense to just go into the art department. And first and foremost, its responsibilities are pretty much like everything visual that you see besides camera movement and lighting. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a it's a big task and a big department because of that. Yeah. So it's it's basically all the surroundings and everything you see physically in the film um it's that's our job um lighting however is more cinematography and lighting department and the gaffer but we do collaborate really heavily with them because we provide all of the practicals which are lights you see physically in the film so like house lights or you know a table lamp or whatever it may be so that's actually our department but they control how that lighting comes across. So they put the bulbs and the dimmers and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how, like, in reading more about the department, how how interconnected it is with the other departments. Because you think of, like, grip as just, okay, they just deal with electricals and lights and whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't think, like, oh, well, they're looking working really um, connectedly with, well, obviously they're working with, camera department but I don't think we think about them working with art so much yeah and for any department really yeah I mean we we all have our separate duties but eventually we all have to collaborate in some way Mm -hmm. whether it's you know we're collaborating on the lighting or we're collaborating on how large the space should be so all this camera equipment can fit in the side or whatever 
ultimately it's all a collaboration so when you see a film and you're thinking about oh the cinematography is great don't forget that there's a lot of people in there that you may not know about or you may have forgotten um but yeah production design is basically everything you see that's us when i worked years (laughs) ago on the set of grim i my mind was blown learning about greens and just seeing you know a, a team of people filling in plants mm-hmm. <laughs> out in an outdoor space where plants already exist. I was like, what? <laughs> this is wild that there's, you know, a team dedicated to that. I, I was, it really opened my eyes. Yeah, there's, there's so many different departments that deal with things that you sort of have to be an expert in. Because, you know, if somebody needed me to actually physically create like a whole landscape of plants i'm going to be like oh i'm not i don't know how to plant anything my most of the plants in here are fake because they're from set so (laughs) (laughs) like i i am going to need help with that so um all of these i mean we we were talking about before um you know scenics they do everything that has to do with painting and with um you know graphics and logos and graphics is their own own department but um you know, greeking things, which is basically making sure that there are no logos anywhere in the screen. So you can't get sued if I had like an Apple phone, you know, Apple logos are like a big one. Um, But I don't necessarily know everything that goes into that. So you need, you know, specific professionals who know exactly what to do. So when you step onto a union set, you can be like, holy crap, there are so many different people for so many different things. But that's really, that's the cool thing about it. It's like, it's a little community making a film. Mm-hmm. And so the production department, the production designer is the head of the whole art department. But then underneath the art department umbrella, there are other departments like set design and would you consider, and props, but is also construction its own department? Or is that just like a team yeah, so there's a whole different, there's like a whole hierarchy of people underneath the production designer. So, you know, there's like these, um, they call them department heads. So you've got your department heads and, you know, you loop in uh, the DP, uh, the lead makeup artist, all those people are like the leads of their department. So production designer is the lead. So they're basically designing the whole film, the look, the feel, the mood, the um, colors, the color palettes, um, which of course they collaborate with the director and the DP on that. But it's a big part of our job is all of the colors you see in the film. Um, But underneath the production designer, there's like a whole team of people who they have their own respective unions and everyone, there's like a million jobs underneath. But um, I would say, so um, usually the right-hand person to the production designer is the art director. So they have a big role in the creative, obviously. But they really act as like a major manager of everybody else that's going on. So the production designer has that time to really design everything because it takes so much work to design houses rooms neighborhoods you know it's just like so much work to do that so you really need that person who's going to take my design and give it to everybody else who needs to get get cracking on it so that art director is 
super important um, and sometimes gets overlooked because they're not necessarily designing the film, but they are like a major component. Um, and then underneath that person is, I'm saying underneath that person, but take that with a grain of salt because everything is its own hierarchy. Um, but I'm just generally giving like a little overview. Um, set, de set decorators and set designers kind of get confused. They also get confused mm -hmm. with set dressers. Um, everything I confuse of, them too. Yeah, everything kind like of the similar the words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the titles all kind of sound the same. Like even art director. Like okay, you're directing the art. Yeah, sort of. But I'm more of like managing this whole department. Um, <laughs> So set designer is really designing the builds. So what we call a build is kind of self-explanatory, but it's what we call the sets that are required to be built on a soundstage or you go to a lot like the Paramount lot or the Warner Brothers lot and you can go into a different stage and some stages can be huge because they build like whole neighborhoods in them. Um, so the designers really, the set designer is really going to go in and make all of these blueprints with their team of carpenters, they'll have their set builders and their carpenters who are gonna physically craft and build this whole thing that you've designed. Um, so that's what those, um, those crew members do. And then set decorators are different because they're not really building much physically, but they are, um, they, they're the ones who are, taking all of those designs and then physically finding pieces that are going to go in there. That makes sense. So they're going to select all the items, the furniture, the paints. Um, they're decorating the entire set. And then where the set dresser comes in is <laughs> it's like a whole like um, so the set dresser is going to take those items that have been purchased. So sometimes they can be purchased to like a big, like if you're working on a big budget movie, they're gonna be transferred to like a big warehouse, uh, usually on the lot. And then that set dresser is gonna find those pieces and work with the decorator and physically dress the set themselves. So there's a whole like hierarchy of who does what so that a lot of it is really so that one person is not over exhausted with things to do because it's so much work. So that's where, I mean, I know we're going to talk about indies. So that's where indies come in. <laughs> Usually <laughs> all of those people are yep. smashed into one person, mm -hmm. but um, that's just like a little, little breakdown on like all of these people that go, that really help the production designer make it happen. Yeah, I think that's great for an understanding of how television works and a lot of Hollywood films work. But yeah, I just have like one sentence that I wanted to say for indie films is that they're the structure. I mean, I love indie films. I work on them primarily. It's great because you get a lot of experience. You meet cool people. But there are times where you see like the art department has two people and they're both just running around like with their heads cut off because there's so much to do. And and you can tell, like, because it's often overlooked, they're not staffed enough or they don't have enough just general support. Um, yeah, it can be it can be very challenging for any department, but I feel like art often gets kind of gypped 
<laughs> I'm gonna take, sense. I'm gonna take that recording of what you just said <laughs> and like use it as my voicemail or something. <laughs> oh my god, I love you for saying that. Yeah, that's really my life. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see it though. Like, you see, um, there's a web series I worked on. I think it was two years ago now, and we all had a pretty awful time on it. But the person running art, she was just like working such long days and constantly running from one set to another and just really I think her experience was far worse than any of ours <laughs> and, and when I think about her I just remember her just like trying to do green screen on a cell phone for somebody while also oh. like trying to you know set up part of the apartment for the next scene and she she was just like very overloaded I just got so triggered by you <laughs> saying graphics because literally if you ask like any of the last like four or five jobs I had to work and they said okay so can you make these graphics and I was just like mm, let me just jump out the window like I can't stand <laughs> making graphics it's like that's why you need a graphics department because like mm -hmm. oh my god it, first of all it's so much work to have to for one feature I had to do um all of these like FBI pages and like police report pages and everything and you know, it's really difficult to have to do all of that painstaking work that you need to get approved by the director while, like, two days before the shoot, I have to go and buy all this furniture and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's like, indie films will, I mean, they're fun because you you get to really collaborate and, like, have a, have a fun time with usually great people. Um, but, oh, man, is it so much work for the <laughs> art department. It's, like, scary. <laughs> yeah. Even when I was working for a commercial company, sometimes I would be like, I don't think art department has a big enough budget, but that's none of my business because <laughs> I have no control over it, you know, but I'm watch, I'm like communicating with them and they're just like, we just need like 500 more dollars for what, you know, the director's asking for. Oh I'm yeah. Like, like I would give it to you if that was my job. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing with yeah. a component of indies is those budgets, man. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've used stuff in my own apartment, all of my furniture, lamps, blankets, pillow. I mean, yeah, my laptop, my my uh, everything. <laughs> like, there's so much that I've used because the money is really. I under, you know, I understand the need for that Alexa you want to use, but man, if you know, my this production designer I once worked with, I, I was her art director. She, this was sort of in the beginning of my career where I didn't really know too much, but I was given this opportunity, and I was like, great, let me do it. Mm -hmm. um, and she was really awesome and really did not take crap from anyone, and so she kind of instilled that in me, where like. People are going to try to walk all over you, especially in the art department. And it doesn't help that you're a woman because then people are also going to walk on all over you for that too. Mm -hmm. But she was like, you need to stand your ground for anything that you need or you want. And if somebody tries to tell you, I'm I, we can't give you this much because blah, 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 blah. You just have to be like, it doesn't matter if you have the most expensive camera in the world. If your movie looks like shit, it's going to look like shit. So mm -hmm. I've used that sentence so many times, thanks to her, but <laughs> it's really true. You know, if your set looks terrible, your movie's going to look terrible. So 
you know, you gotta remember that. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Was that person Polly Platt? Because that seems like <laughs> something she would say in, in reading about her, you know, it seems like she had a very straightforward personality of just like, do you want it done right? Or do you not want it done? Yeah, you know, a you lot, know. The, the, a lot of the articles I was reading about her is like these guys that she worked with um, repeatedly would just be like, you know, if she wanted something to get done, she would find a way to get done and you were not mm -hmm. going to get in her way of that. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, this is yeah. an awesome person to be yeah. researching and talking about because mm -hmm. that's really what most people need and most women need in the industry is just be like, this, ain't, this is not going to happen unless you ha hire me and we're mm -hmm. going to do it my way. And she was that type of person. So, yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about her first because she was in the industry before Hannah and then we'll transition to talking about Hannah. And then if there's anything that we're like, oh, you know, I should have mentioned this about the art department at the end, we'll, we'll just tack it on there. Mm -hmm. So Polly Platt was born in Illinois in 1939 as Mary Platt. And I heard something recently that was about the creation of nicknames. And it came to the conclusion, essentially, that a lot of nicknames don't make sense, like Polly for Mary. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, oh, it came in. That little nugget of information mm -hmm. is relevant, but also not because it didn't provide anything useful. <laughs> Um, but I thought it was pretty interesting that her father was in the army and presided over the Dachau trials in mm -hmm. 1945. Like yeah. she, you know, is six in Germany as this is happening. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a wild childhood to start out with. And her mom worked in advertising. So I think it makes sense that there's some artistic drive from a young age. Definitely. Yeah. And I've also heard that kids who were in the army or are um aren't like you know they nicknamed them army, army brats you know mm -hmm. those kids um usually had to move around a lot so sometimes it would make sense like right now i'm thinking of that episode of mad men where um i can't remember her name but one of the um one of the secretaries she was an army brat and she's able to totally um design an interior design um don draper's home and he's like how are you able to like design this so well like this looks like a professional interior design <laughs> and he, she was like i was an army brat i had to move from home to home to home and i saw you know i was able to see all of these designs and so i know how to do it now that just popped into my head because you know she was able to do that. Mm -hmm. That does make sense. And I would have never thought about that. I just think, you know, it sucks for them to have mm -hmm. friends that they're constantly moving away from. <laughs> so, so there's a perk in that you understand how rooms should be laid out. <laughs> Maybe you've seen like so many different types of homes, you know, ugly ones, pretty ones that you're able to be like, I know what I want now. I've seen them all. Mm -hmm. I know what I want. And I know what makes my room comfortable mm -hmm. wherever I am and what feels like home. That's cool. She attended Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, which isn't too far from here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then began working as a costume designer in New York, which I thought was interesting because I think sometimes costume and art do work pretty closely to 
build the world of the character and that's another thing that we don't really think about is we think costume is very separate or it's very separate but Mm -hmm. instead they're another just intertwined relationship yeah for sure um and a lot of it is that color palette too i was mentioning is that like we have to really collaborate with what colors the character is going to wear and what colors other rooms they're going to be in so there's no Mm -hmm. clashing and making sure you know sometimes some characters are given a specific color so like if you were you know my character and your color was blue like your last name mm-hmm. um, <laughs> i have to make sure that your whole your whole house wasn't blue and then you weren't also wearing blue it might be too much so right like i would become a blueberry <laughs> <laughs> um I thought it was pretty interesting, too, that she married Peter Bogdanovich mm-hmm. and that they collaborated on multiple films, both during their relationship and even during their divorce. I mm-hmm. thought, okay, that seems like a pretty healthy co-working relationship yeah. and not just, like, I'm working for you because I'm I'm doing a favor <laughs> because I'm married to you type of thing. No, it but really, instead... Yeah. It seemed like they had a really good collaboration and... Mm-hmm kind of like scandalous the way that they divorced because they were working on a film and then Peter fell in love with Sybil Shepherd and they got a divorce like during that film which is so awkward but seems like they were able to be really professional and then you yeah. know work f- in the future able to work together again as if that yeah, movie, but- I'd be like no <laughs> yeah I'd be like what is happening <laughs> I'd be like hell no but maybe it also speaks to her personality and how she's just like, listen, this is what needs to get done. And my, you know, I want my reputation as this position or that position to yeah. speak for itself, which it did. Because not only did she production design on some of his films, she also co-wrote. And then she's also written her own films. And I, it's really cool just to see that she, you know, had three decades of work, both as not both as because she had more than two jobs but Mm -hmm. production designing costume designing writing producing like she's all over the map with her credits which Mm -hmm. is which is really inspiring i for me because i feel as if we're often told you know you pick one and you stick with that which how is that exciting or fulfilling for everybody you know yeah so it's like okay like you can't tell somebody what they're going to do with their life you know so well that too yeah <laughs> i mean believe me we are definitely told that in our culture like you can't do this mm-hmm. you can't do that and also that depends on who you are um but she was not gonna let that happen so mm-hmm. she's like you know she, she has those credits and she was able to branch out wherever she saw she wanted to do something and took that opportunity or made that opportunity for herself it's very cool. And something I think we should model ourselves after maybe just yeah. to be like, listen, because for the longest time, too, especially when I was newer to the industry, people would be like, you have to like let people know on set what you're interested in, which I get because people have to know what you're interested in to look out for you. But also, if you don't know, I don't think that that should be such a bad thing. You know, yeah. you can be like, I want to explore this other department. I don't know that I'm going to like it, but I would like to see what it's like, you know? So That's what, I mean, if you don't already, even if you do have, like, a profession that you're being hired for on a set, like, Mm -hmm. if you feel like you want to try to do something else, you should do it. Yeah. All you've got (laughs) is time in the world to try to 
you know, obviously it can be daunting and, you know, there might be people who say no to you, but, you know, you should still go for it whenever Mm -hmm. you see fit. Yep. That's some little inspiration nugget tucked in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Polly was the production designer on The Last Picture Show, which came out in 1971, after she suggested to Peter, like, hey, I think you should turn this book into a movie, which Mm -hmm. I think is cool that she planted that seed and then got to work on it (laughs) later. She knew what she wanted. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I'm going to work on that later. I just need to... I just need to let you know now. Um, she also was a production designer on The Man with Two Brains starring Steve Martin, which I thought was funny because I think comedies, I say this in like every episode, comedies are generally overlooked in terms of artistic qualities. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think it's cool to know someone who's like had a really successful career, has worked on comedies to make those successful too. Uh-huh. They're real art. yeah totally i mean there's so much artistry that goes into it and if you talk to any like comedic actor or comedian they're going to tell you how difficult it is to make somebody laugh it's definitely Mm -hmm. an art so yeah yeah it's cool and she also designed one of the iterations of a star is born the 1976 version with barbara streisand which i you know some people have messaged me to be like wow i didn't realize that this wasn't the first version mm-hmm. of the movie I'm like because you're not in film <laughs> <laughs> yeah we know that there's been more than two there's been mm-hmm. three and all of us know that the first one is the best <laughs> yep. it's usually how it goes mm-hmm. yep but um yeah she also designed terms of endearment with shirley mclean and deborah winger and this was directed by James L. Brooks, which comedy fans probably know in yeah. relation to The Simpsons. Legendary. Yeah. Um, I think it's also cool in reading that it's possible Polly is behind how we got The Simpsons because she just connected uh, Matt Groening with James L. Brooks. And that's crazy that she's like, I think you two would hit it off. Yeah. You should set up a meeting. She's got to be known for that because like... We may not have The Simpsons if it wasn't for Polly Platt. So yeah. that's awesome. And they're in their 20th or something season. I don't know how they've been on for like forever. forever. Yeah, like my whole childhood. <laughs> <laughs> and even now. So it's a long, long time. Um, she was nominated for Best Art Direction for Turns of Endearment. But I don't think she won that year. I'm not sure she won any awards for production design, just got the one nomination. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if she won. I'm pretty sure I would have put it in my notes. If yeah, she yeah. <laughs> Let's put that in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. <laughs> no, she, yeah, she was nominated for Best Art Direction Academy Award for Terms of Endearment, which is cool, but. I think it would have been nice if she had also been able to win an Oscar. Oh, yeah. Well, it's but... that's a sad, sad category for women. Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> a very sad category for us. We are not popular in that category in yeah. addition to most other most... categories. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> it's like most categories, yes. And unfortunately, I think... <laughs> so there have been... This is what I wanted to make sure I got the numbers right, because when I saw it, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is bad. But um, 
So the first woman who was nominated for production design was only in 1983. So that's not that far from where we are right now. It yeah. was um, Anna Asp for Fanny and Alexander. And then, so there have been around 170 production design nominees. And only 16% have been women. So when I say 16%, I'm not sure if most people know, but when you get nominated for production design, it's actually two people getting nominated. It's, it's the production designer and the set decorator. So usually when I'm talking about 16%, it's the set decorators who are women and the production oh. designers are men. So 16% sounds kind of high since there have only been four women who have won the Oscar for production design ever. Um, <clears throat> but a large percentage of that 16% is our sec decorators. They're not actually the production designers. So when we talk about production designers, female production designers getting nominated, it's like sad, sad, sad. And there's <laughs> like, oh God, it's so sad. <laughs> I mean, it's also hard because women getting into the union and the guilds is also a challenge. So it really limits the number of opportunities they have to even get a nomination yeah i mean you can't yeah. you can't get those roles on a union set unless you're part of the union and if they're not letting you into the union then you can't get that job so mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 just like one hurdle <laughs> after the next yeah when i talked about hierarchy earlier there's definitely a hierarchy <laughs> <laughs> too, like hierarchy of blockage from getting yeah. jobs the other thing that is interesting slash depressing is that the Art Directors Guild was established in 1937, and in 1971, so just about 40 years later, she was the first woman member admitted. So, yeah, still an uphill battle today, but I can't imagine, like, the 70s and 80s, what that struggle was like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did want to note that... Because she was friends with James L. Brooks, she was also the executive vice president of his production company, Gracie Films, for a decade, which is also crazy that she's just, yeah, like, I'm production designing, I'm in charge of things, like, just give me a job and I will do it mm-hmm. and things will be successful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're just about wrapped up with her. Is there anything else you wanted to m- make sure to mention? Um... Before we talk, so. gush about more modern films. Hmm, I don't think so, <laughs> no. If um, anyone wants to read some of the things we read, I mean, there's. I always put the links, but the Hollywood Reporter had a really great thing. Great. It wasn't really an article. It was just like a collection of quotes of people talking about how awesome she was, which yeah. you had mentioned earlier. Yeah. So that's definitely something to read and be like, all right, I want to be. I want to be like Polly. <laughs> so hannah beachler hannah beachler she um began working in the art department in the early 2000s and i don't know why i was like really hung up on years when i was writing this because i was like polly passed in 2011 and that's when hannah really began production designing like there's some kismet (laughs) date science or something there (laughs) um she had done like a few shorts before 2011 but it was 
that year that really kicked off her features, yeah. which I thought was kind of neat. And I'm sure there's no deeper meaning to it, but I was finding one. <laughs> <laughs> These days, you got to find the deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, I have nothing but time at home. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I'm just, oh, um, yeah. Hannah was born in 1970 in Ohio. So she's from the Midwest, just like Polly was. Mm-hmm. So another thing I went, oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but she studied fashion design and film at universities in Ohio, which is interesting that, you know, Polly started in costume and then Hannah's got this fashion yeah. design background too. Funnily enough, that's also where I started. Um, interesting. <laughs> I studied costume design and mm-hmm. then um, went on to study film generally, but um, I did start in the theater of um doing costume design so that's very cool i when i was going to film school and saw the theater department and their in particular their costume department i thought maybe i'm following the wrong thing because (laughs) i grew up like sewing with my grandmother and, and pretending i would have my own fashion line one day and so that felt like the right thing to do, but it also felt very overwhelming. Like there's so much going on and such tight deadlines to like sew a whole wardrobe. And I was like, I, I don't know that I can handle, I don't know that I can handle that kind of stress. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of exactly why I stopped because it's extremely stressful. Um, and a lo- I mean, I don't mind doing a lot of work, but it wasn't really, I wasn't passionate enough for it. And yeah. you know, those people who have become successful or are on their way or they're interested in it, you know, you got to have that passion, obviously, but it just wasn't mine. So mm-hmm. decided it was not for me, but it's still like custom designers are badass. They have, they do so much work. They have to make duplicates of everything. And I mean, it's like, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I get that. What you mean though, it's like, I will work hard for the right interests, you know, for the right career yeah. that I actually want to pursue. Otherwise, like, I just want it to be a fun hobby. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't want to be killing myself for something yeah. that I'm not really passionate about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so after Hannah graduated, she was working in the air department, as we said. And then her first big break was Fruitvale Station, mm-hmm. which was directed by Ryan Coogler, stars Michael B. Jordan. It was is a really heartbreaking film. Yeah. Um, but this would lead to her collaborating with Coogler um, for a few more films like Creed and Black Panther, mm-hmm. which I think everyone knows Black Panther's yeah. production design and the whole art team like Incredible. deserves a round of applause. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like groundbreaking um, stuff. Yeah. It's so cool. And just to know how much work like she put into it oh, yeah. is to create, you know, this fantastical world mm-hmm. is just, just like, like so much <laughs> research she did like in you know African culture and all she did so much work and when I was researching her it seems like that's a huge part of how she works is like her research is like beast mode she's does her research Mm -hmm. like it's crazy but it's also like amazing and most people wouldn't know like how much work your crew is putting into your film so her research is like crazy it's awesome Especially just from a research perspective, we think, you know, pre-production's pretty short, production's like the meat of it, and then post-production, 
takes a very long time. Yeah. But we don't think like, oh, it takes actually months of <laughs> research in that pre-production phase before yeah. you're even ready to start building and buying these props and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. And I thought it was pretty neat that she... So Fruitvale Station has a pretty... Had, like, a smaller indie budget, and so did Moonlight. And then we know Black Panther's budget was, like, astronomical mm-hmm. in comparison. And I think it's cool just what she's able to create within those different budgetary constraints. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely when you're working on indies, it has to get really creative. And I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> like, really creative. Um <clears throat> like building things out of styrofoam that are supposed to be like wood. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of where you get your work ethic from it. Cause if you don't really care, then you're not going to work that hard. And when you do really care and you're getting paid like pennies, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, you're like, this is going to look like styrofoam. You're gonna, exactly. <laughs> but you know, if you're passionate, you're going to see the artistry and that's like, clear cut that's Hannah because Fruit mm-hmm. Station, low budget, but she made that film look beautiful and, you know, like using her own personal items to make it just so personal is like, you know, that's every dream to have a production designer like that. Yeah. It's also worth noting that she designed Beyonce's Lemonade. Yeah. Which I was looking at the budget because I thought she must have had a really nice budget for that because it's Beyonce. Um, but the budget I found for the full 12 videos was only 1.3 million, which is basically an indie film. Yeah. For so sure. I thought, okay, so she's still constrained there and that, you know, music videos are so heavily visual art. Oh yeah. That I was like, she really did a lot with what I would consider a smaller budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Impressive. I want to throw in this note that I have later about Fruitvale Station because I think it's important to understand that production designing isn't just for the audience, but it's for the actors too. Mm-hmm. So there, um, in one of the articles I read, it said that she slipped her own BART card in the car's visor for yeah. Fruitvale Station, and so it helped Michael B. Jordan stay in his character. And I thought, oh, wow, I didn't really think about that aspect either. I just enjoy it. From like an audience perspective usually yeah. and i don't think oh it helps ground an actor in a scene yeah it's really important because if you've got an actor in a room that that they would not feel is their room then it's going to take them out of it and you know it's not only just for the audience to be like oh wow this is a beautiful space but mm-hmm. it's also for the actor too like if this is my home I need it to look like my character. Otherwise, what are we even doing here? So, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Super Someone important. transplanted me. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what am I doing here? This is like a fancy $1 million home and I'm supposed to be homeless, you know, like, right. Yeah. You have to kind of, you, you build the surroundings for the person. So um, that's definitely an, a great thing that she is able to do repeatedly is like mm-hmm. create these worlds that are perfect for what is for yeah i just think like as you know for someone who's listening that's not in the industry <laughs> like it's not just for you 
Yeah. Although, you know, it you heavily know, is. A lot, a lot of it is for you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a, a lot of it is for the director, you know, their mm-hmm. vision, but a lot of it is for the character who's going to be interacting in the space or the characters interacting in the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. And I feel like this episode is great just because, like, who thinks that much about the art department in general? Like, I work in the industry. I don't, you yeah, know. Yeah, it, gets a, it so. gets a little overlooked. And unfortunately, you know, if you do go into production design, anybody, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. have to push back against some resistance um, from, you know, crew members or uh, people above the line, producers. But um Ultimately, I'm going to bring back the quote. If the movie <laughs> looks like shit, it's going to look like shit. So yeah. just got to remember that. You're super important. Mm-hmm. And Hannah has achieved a lot in her career already, um, not just being the first female production designer on a Marvel film, but also, from what I can tell, she's also just the only black production designer. Yeah. Um, but I don't have 100% certainty. I'm like 98% sure. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also the first black woman nominated for an Academy Award for production design, and she also won it. So she's also the first black woman to win an Academy Award for production yeah. design. She's also the only black person who's ever been nominated. Even there haven't been oh, any black wow. men who have been nominated either. So she's breaking two. <laughs> a lot of barriers. A lot of barriers. Um, yeah. But she, from what I believe, she's the first black person to be nominated for an Oscar and to win an Oscar. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that speaks to two things. One, she's incredibly talented, but two, the industry is so backwards. Yeah. It's (laughs) terrible. I mean, like, it, just like our, you know, unless you you live under a rock, you know what's going on in our society right now. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it, we, we've got a lot of catching up to do in many aspects of our society. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So in talking about her prep, which we alluded to a few minutes ago, um, for Creed, she was using boxing gyms around the United States to like build what the boxing gym in Creed should look like in relation to the movies, of course, that it's a, a part of, but also just like the authenticity of the boxing gym yeah. look that what it, she would have been going for. I think it's like set in Philadelphia still, like the other um, Rocky, Rocky films. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty neat that she, she's just like taking herself to all these sweaty mm-hmm. gyms and boxing gyms yeah. are, they're not fancy by any means. Like I went to a great one in Manhattan, but it was like, it had no AC. It always reeked like sweat, you know, and it's like, everything's kind of, falling apart to mm-hmm. a certain extent and yeah. it's just it's it's part of the ambiance yeah but it's definitely something that you have to capture for a film about that yeah and she she designed i think the entire gym so mm-hmm. it's not just like little set pieces that you see you go onto a sound stage and there's you know this, right. this side of the you know the set and then there's that side of the set but she did that whole she designed that whole gym and i think it's mm-hmm. open I think they created that gym, but oh. I don't, don't quote me on that. That's cool. But, I do um, know that she was very specific with the ring itself and letting a camera have 360 degree access. Yeah. Which is also cool. So it's like, you're not just thinking about the design, but how, how you can work with your camera department to yeah. capture those 
amazing shots. Yeah. And that's just another thing to think about, you know, let's say you're a filmmaker or something, you want to include your production designer into those conversations you have with your DP, because if you don't, you may not have opportunities like that. You know, I'm not sure if she was collaborating with the DP at that point, but it seems like she would have if she was like, we're going to make this 360 so the camera can be 360. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're not including your production designer and pre-production stuff like that, then you might lose out on those opportunities. So we're always yeah. open to include them. Or it will just cost more money to do it later. Yeah, for sure. And time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. So it's good to have the team involved early on. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, we mentioned for Black Panther and the fictional Wakanda that her production Bible was over 500 pages, and I didn't realize there was 187 sets, so I I was just (laughs) like, whoa. She had so much work to do, but she was traveling to Cape Town, South Africa, and the surrounding region, and she just really puts just so much research and attention to detail Mm -hmm. to to everything I, yeah i can't imagine how her brain works yeah it's like she's a beast it's it's so cool to research and and find out how she works because even if you're not a production designer you can just mm-hmm. like holy crap there's so much work that she put into this yeah yeah she's definitely passionate about what she does mm-hmm. <laughs> and it shows Um, She was listed as number 22 on the most creative people in business list in 2018 by Fast Company, which is kind of cool, especially because, as we've said, you know, 10 times now, our department's overlooked. So to have her get so high up on, I think it's a top 100 list, is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of directors, DPs, writers, but you won't really get that many they won't really diversify their their lists like that um, mm-hmm. to other departments. So definitely super encouraging to not only yeah. have a production designer there, but to have a black female production designer there too. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I have for her is that she also production designed the, I think released last month, Beyonce's Black is King. Yeah. Which is also cool. And then she's slated to in pre-production on Kill Switch by Steven Soderbergh. That who knows when that will come out since. Yeah. You know. You know. <laughs> life. I would guess 2023 or 2024. But who knows? Who I knows? could be. I could be just thinking positively. Or <laughs> really just um, guessing at this point. <laughs> yep. When we so, don't know. The, I mean, some, some things are already back in production at this point. Mm-hmm. But we don't know the outcome. We don't know if it'll continue. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping that it keeps slowly coming up. But so do I. We'll know yeah. in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Polly Platt and Hannah Beachler have both pushed the world of production design with their attention to detail and commitment to creating a visual world that both the actors and the audience come up can immerse themselves in and I think it's just really inspiring to learn about how groundbreaking their careers were they're at different times but they're still very motivational and inspiring yeah for sure and a little bit on how the industry is just very slow in diversifying itself <laughs> yeah. a little bit <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit I mean a lot but 
Yeah. Um, but non nonetheless, it's amazing to see and to research and to learn about these incredible women who are breaking boundaries for us all. Mm-hmm. And there is a podcast I will plug that I have no affiliation with called <laughs> You Must Remember This. It's really great. It's like it's super in-depth film history. Um, and she there's like a full season on Polly Platt. So if anyone is interested, there's 10 episodes. And the episodes are usually about an hour, if not mm -hmm. longer. So it's a yeah. lot of information out there. Yeah. And you should listen to it if you're interested. Because yeah. there's a lot of stuff we haven't mentioned about her. She's like been everywhere, done everything. Mm -hmm. Little things we had, we didn't even find out. You know, I'm sure yeah. that they they investigate her a little bit more in there. So mm -hmm. it's yeah, stuff it. that. I would never have time for on this podcast because it's short. <laughs> <laughs> and Hannah Beachler, you know, she's currently alive and well and, and kicking butt. Mm -hmm. So she, you can follow her on Twitter. Her at is chinchilla1970, mm -hmm. which... I love that username. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that Twitter handle. That's great. Um, um, do you have anything else to add before we talk about how people can find you? Um, not really. I think we... I mean, we covered a lot. It's been an hour and mm -hmm. we've covered... A lot of stuff like mini breakdown yeah. on art department um i say <laughs> like you know if you're interested in the art department um there's no like perfect way to start you know it people come from different backgrounds like some people actually come from you know they went to school for visual art or they went to school for mm -hmm. carpentry or something and they decide that that's their way but like you'll you can research many other production designers who had nothing you know none of that and just found their way and then you know made it in there so if that's <laughs> what you're interested in then i'd say go for it um <laughs> say go for it. you know i would say there's a lot of this isn't the greatest advice because what we need to be doing is really fighting for equal and fair wages in film but how I started getting my own um, production designer roles, not necessarily like, you know, you, you could try to become an art PA on a big show, which I did um, for a very short amount of time because it was very intense. Um, but you, how I started was I basically like just started reaching out to people being like, hey, I saw that you were hiring crew, you know, I saw that you were looking for a DP. Do you need anybody in your art department? And most likely they'd be like, I mean, yeah, but we don't have money, obviously. We don't have money for you. And I was like, that's okay, you know, we'll figure it out. Um, so, you know, one job started kicking onto another and then onto another and then onto another. So not the best advice because there were definitely a couple in the very beginning that I did not get paid for and I really should have because mm -hmm. you know our job is really important but you know it did work so <laughs> yeah that's what I, I think it's say. one of those things with the indie world too is that they're like script supervising is another one that people never have money for even though it's really yeah, important super and important it's it's hard to both get the experience and then convince people you're worth paying like your position is worth paying yeah it, that's a lot of production work is like really trying to fight for your worth and how much you're worth and you kind of have to put a dollar amount on that which sucks but mm -hmm. at the same time like you know you have to fight for 
how much you're worth because ultimately people are going to try to pay you less than what yeah. you know what you should be getting so <clears throat> it's a it's a tough situation for us because we're freelancers and you know there's nobody really unless you've got an agent or somebody mm -hmm. a manager who's going to fight for you you have to do it yourself mm -hmm. um but nonetheless if you find you know great collaborators like how we met we met on a shoot that was paying us what I don't know. It was, yeah, it, we, don't have to, we don't have to say it, but <laughs> it's like, I'm not even going to remember, but yeah. So, but nonetheless, yeah. I got to meet you. I had a great experience mm -hmm. on that shoot. It was hard. Mm -hmm. It was tough. It was like, very hard. I remember it. I tell everybody, like, I remember it as a two day shoot, but it was a one day shoot. Oh, yeah. You because it was just the yeah. longest day ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally the longest day ever, like mm -hmm. way over 12 hours, probably. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, you get to meet people that way. And hopefully they, they're not like terrible people trying to take advantage right. of you. It's really just like people with a passion who are trying to make it work. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully you can find like-minded people and then kind of grow from there. Mm -hmm. But there's also been really success successful people who have started, you know, as PAs and then they've, they've snuck in and said, I'm interested in this. And they got in there and then you know, it's really just like sneaking in. You have to be like covert ops to get, mm -hmm. <laughs> unless you're really Yeah, well then you connected. like whisper in a producer's ear like, hey, I think I'm hey. really interested in this. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know who I think might be interested in this? <laughs> Listen, you got to find a way because we're not all born with movie exec parents, right? Mm -hmm. So got to find a way. I mean, I wish, but yeah. <laughs> Imagine. But. So yeah, let's talk about how to find you online. I will put links to what you sent me in the description. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to spell out anything, you don't have to. <laughs> but sometimes it's nice just to, to hear where people are. Yeah, of course. So where you can see my production design work, um, if you're interested, is just my name is Mathilde Suisa. You should look it up in the bio because it's a tricky, <laughs> it's a tricky name to spell. So yeah. I'm not going to spell it out, but... It's my name, MatildeSuisa.com, and you can see some of the projects um, that I've worked on. Um, and uh, my uh, where I direct is called Take2XX. That's also just Take2 and DoubleX.com. You can see some of the films I've directed. Um, Instagram is probably the best way to interact with me because i'm on it 24 7 <laughs> yeah me too it's i have like upped my social media use exponentially i'm it's not bad. yeah i'm not opening that tab of instagram because i know it's going to be like two thousand percent daily use. yeah yeah so i'm not even gonna look because i don't want to feel bad about myself but um instagram <laughs> best way to reach me um it's at matilde my first name directs and um, for my duo, it's Take Two Double X. Um, Instagram, Twitter. I'm not really. I'm like I'm. I'm such an old person. I don't really understand yeah. Twitter really so much. Uh, I'm a heavy retweeter. Yeah, like I go there just to have reading material and learn about mm -hmm. things because there's so much information on Twitter. There is and knowledge. Um, but I'm not really a tweeter. So <laughs> you won't really find me tweeting, but you can always link up with me and I'll be retweeting your tweets. That's what I do. <laughs> if you need a fan, yeah. um, hit me up on Twitter. It's 
tiny filmy that's my little username um and also for my duo it's just the same take two double x um and i think that's it facebook um it's my name i'm like super private on facebook because i'm scared of facebook a little bit so yeah (laughs) especially the more we learn about it it's like yeah the more i learn the more i kind of want to oh you know what this is a good thing to say (laughs) if you wanted to get into film work Mm-hmm. Get on Facebook, unfortunately. Get on Facebook. We don't really mm-hmm. support Facebook at this moment in time, but right. there's so much work happening on Facebook and film production. So many groups, yeah. So many groups, so many posts almost every day looking for people, so you can definitely try and find an opportunity there. So, Plus it doesn't cost money like some other yeah, be, sites for film work do. Be careful of those paid ones. They might just try to rip you off. I usually stay off those. Um, Facebook mm-hmm. is kind of the best thing right now unless you've got um, a really good like uh, contact list of people who already are know- calling you and calling you for work and stuff. So I'd get on Facebook. Yeah, I know. It's like a necessary evil to a certain extent. <laughs> it right? really is. Yeah. I've been, like, some of the groups I'm a part of, we've been having this discussion, like, should we move off Facebook? Should we try Slack or something? And mm-hmm. most people are just like, you know what? It's not worth it, you know? Right. Like, the, the amount of effort to create a, essentially a free platform yeah, would just be a lot. Yeah, and it's just the easy easiest way to have those posts go up and people, you know, respond to them and stuff like that. So, unfortunately, for now, we're still stuck with Facebook, but, you know. <laughs> We can dream one day down the road. Yeah, yeah. Once the revolution is finally complete, maybe there won't be Facebook. But, you know, (laughs) it's going to take a while. Or it'll be called something else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or uh, maybe MySpace will come back. Oh, my God. You just showed your age. (laughs) Now people know. It's all right. I do it all the time. Man, that was a good time. But thank you for joining me. I'm glad we got to talk about production design and the art department and these two awesome ladies who are so inspiring. And whether you want to be in the art department or not, you know, it's cool just to see what they've been able to accomplish in their careers. Diversify your knowledge a little bit. Maybe you're you're at work. Maybe you're not at work yet. Yeah. It's good to diversify your knowledge while you can but thank you when we have that subway commute again you know (laughs) listen to a lot more podcasts (laughs) yeah cool all right thanks tuesday for having me 